My guest today on Breakfast is Christian Veet, and Christian was in a very memorable scene on everyone's favorite show, Game of Thrones, so we will definitely be talking about what went down in Dorne. Christian is also able to speak four languages, so we'll discuss what it's like to perform in different tongues. And that's not all. Christian and I both made Christian's flourless banana bread recipe, and trust me, you are going to want that recipe. So let's get to this clash of kings, this dance of dragons, this Breakfast for crows, because we've got Christian Veet today on Breakfast. Pick it up! Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> my uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> As you just said, you're not a prostitute. What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. Some salsa and some sour cream some guacamole. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Christian, welcome to the breakfast studio. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Yes. This is a, a momentous breakfast episode because for the first time, my guest is all the way on the other side of the planet, London, England. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> so let's start. You were you weren't born in London though. You were born in Venice, right? Yes, I was born in Venice. Still at the other side of the pond. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another pond other than London. Yes, absolutely. Now, sometimes people uh, don't realize how beautiful their home city is until they visit other places. Were you aware of how beautiful Venice was when you were there, or was it something where you had to go somewhere else and then come back and say, "Oh." Well, you know, Venice, for me, uh, I was born there, but since I was uh, very young, my parents, for, because it was uh, like more comfortable having a car and attending schools, they brought me uh, after uh, just a few months in the outskirts, so in, in what we call the mainland. Mm-hmm. So I was more used to hang around that part of the Venetian area other than the city itself. And the city itself, was always remained as a, a place for to go for um, for a stroll during the weekends or do go to visit exhibitions with the school and these other things. So it, it, it always had a special place in my heart, you know what I mean? Because I, I never really lived in the old part of Venice, the real city. I was more outside. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, traveling a lot, uh, spending time in other countries and in other city, yes, uh, I have to say I always knew Venice was special, and it will always be with the pro and cons. Uh, and unfortunately, we have recently seen with the with the high tide what happened recently. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, it is a uh, it is unique. Yeah. It is unique, and it really worth a visit. Yeah. <laughs> what What was the first uh, acting job that you ever did? Did you start at a young age? Well, you know. A funny thing, I say funny because if I look now and my look, which I have like long hair and the beard is a little bit like, uh, they have to say, Jesus-y. Yeah. I played Jesus when I was Jesus-y. five years yeah. old at the elementary school. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, of course, my beard was not so long at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yes, there was a, a sort of, uh, let's call it a, uh, let's call it a panto. You know, it was uh, like a Christmas show. Of course, it's not like the one we have in England here, but it was in Italy back in the days. 
but it was like a show we were doing with uh, when, when we invited parents and other parts of the family to watch and I played Jesus wow so it was like that uh, it is the um, first uh, acting thing I've done as I recall so far Interesting. yes who uh, as, as you as you grew into your acting career who are some of your influences well you know uh, being from um, you know, another country and uh, going through, you know, different markets and things. Well, of course, when since I was in Italy, I always been admiring Daniel Day-Lewis' work for, you know, the perfectionism that he had and the way he was uh, preparing the characters has always been something I've been reading a lot about the way he was doing the method and the process. So I've always been very fascinated about it. But then, of course, apart from his works, there were other actors like... I, I, really, I really like Fabrice Lucchini, French actor. Okay. And um, Tony Servillo, which is an Italian actor that was the guy playing in The Great Beauty. Excellent. So, yes. And also, I really admire the work of Sean Penn as an actor. Sean Penn, I was just watching the other night, uh, you know, a movie from my childhood, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I don't know if you're familiar with this movie. No, I haven't watched it. Okay, so uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you watch it, and it's one of Sean Penn's first movie appearances, if not his first, and he plays Mm -hmm. this total stoner student in high school, and his performance, you would never guess that he was going to, you would have just thought, yeah, this is just how this guy is. But it was a brilliant performance because now we know that he, you know, went on to do so many other great uh, projects. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah Fast yeah, Times yeah. Ridgemont High. It's uh, if you get a chance, check it out. It, you'll see Sean Penn yes, in, will, in a different yeah. light. I was uh, literally blown away by his performance on Milk. It was great. Oh, yes, such a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you are a man. Since you know, I think this happens a lot. If you're in Europe, you speak four languages. You speak English, obviously, because that's what we're speaking right now. Uh, Italian, Spanish, and French. I, I want to ask you: Are there any differences or big differences when acting in those different languages? Well, there is actually, because the thing is, the more familiar you are with the foreign language, um, you know, the more you can just be busy acting and not think about what you're saying you know what i mean so the thing is i was not brought up uh, by um different language speakers parents so you know some child some children they have the the the, the fortune to grow up in a family which where the parents that come from different countries so they they grew up perfectly bilingual or the trilingual so that's a bless uh, i those are um, language that I studied myself when I was younger and then in a later uh, later stage in my life, like French. So I have to say, as soon as I moved to the UK and I started to play in English, I have to say the beginning, it was not difficult. It was like um, part of my attention was uh, focused on what I was saying, you know what I mean? Because it, also I had to had to look after that. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. But practicing, the more you practice, the more you get familiar with the language, you know, the more you forget about uh, p- putting an eye or, or, or an ear or what you are saying and you just focus on the emotions and living the scene, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, for, for instance, French at the moment, it is the language that I don't have enough chance to practice. So probably is uh, the, the weakest and the rustier I am. Yeah. It is a language that I really like. 
And so when I have some uh, auditions to play in French, I can do that. But I probably they require me a little bit more work than uh, in the than with the English and the Spanish and the Italian, of course. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, I don't think I can wait any longer. I think even Daniel, the engineer, is like, let's get to the Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, <laughs> you were in a yeah. very popular episode of Game of Thrones, Sons of the Harpy, which is season five, episode four, for those you know who are uh, big Game of Thrones fans. And it's when uh, yes. Bronn and the Kingslayer are on a rescue mission in Dorne, and uh, they run into you and a bunch of other Dornish guards, and, you know, things get a little crazy. Uh, what, yes. <laughs> what, what was it like... Being on a, a show like that on Game of Thrones, because you come in and it's already a, a global, you know, popular show at, by by season five. Okay, so you have to know that uh, Game of Thrones was the first job I booked when I just moved to the UK. Wow. So let's say it was a good start, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so the thing is, you know, in Italy we are, I'm not saying we are a little bit behind, but, you know, we get the thing like a little bit slower than other countries probably. And also, because it was on a pay-per-view um, in Italy, I, I I was always traveling a lot, so I, I didn't really have the feeling of how big was the show in it, uh, around the other part of the world, because I was I was living in Rome at that time. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of, but of course it was not as massive, the resonance as as I had the the perception of when I moved to the UK. So. I, when I just moved, basically, my agent uh, in UK, which we just um, uh, met like a month, month and a half before the role happened, he told me about this uh, audition, and uh, he didn't actually tell me at the very beginning it was Game of Thrones, he told me afterwards, and they was just talking about horses, if I could horseback ride, those kind of things, so, oh yeah, let's, 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 let's go for it. And then when I get when I got the role and I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, I was just got the confirmation I said yes I just got a role in this um, TV show it's called Game of I said Game of Thrones so yes that one oh, oh man everybody wants to be in Game of Thrones that's huge and then it, it was a, a fabulous experience yes excellent it was incredible yeah how did you feel about because the costumes on that show are are pretty. Uh, ornate. How do you feel about your Dornish costume? I think you pulled it off pretty well, and I'm going to post a picture of this on our social media later. How did you feel about the Dornish clothes that you had to wear? Well, I have to say that when I went for the fitting, it was one of the most, I dare to say, emotional thing I've ever experienced in this in my acting career, because uh, okay, I arrived in the, let's call it the base camp in Belfast, where the old Game of Thrones production was based there. So the main costume and fitting part was exactly there. And I've always read, I mean, um, about that TV series, how, care, how much care was put in making the costumes. So when I arrived, I realized there were also some Italian artisans. They were like uh, sewing the leather and putting things together. I think they were using artisans that if you go to Florence itself, you don't find them, you know? So yeah. the perfectionism and the quality of the thing they were doing, it was already, I knew it was high. But when I arrived in the room, my costume was hanged like uh, uh, something to be worshipped, you know? Yeah. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even touch it. Some people came and they helped me to get dressed. Wow. And it was just, you know, when they put you on something... And you feel like, oh, my God, I got my weapons, you know, to conquer the world. Yes. Let me, let me do it. 
It was a very, very, I still remember it was yesterday. It was a great, great moment. Yes. So the scene they have, you know, it doesn't end well for you. Uh, <laughs> Definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> uh, Definitely how how not. long does it take to shoot that? It's It was a short battle scene. How long does it take to shoot that scene? And did you do your own stunts? I know you talk about riding horses, but the other things that happen in the scene, you know, you get a knife to the throat. Let's just say what happened. You know, the show's been out for a while. Uh, yeah. Is that something that happened live there, or did someone else have to do that, or was it special effects? Okay, look, uh, the thing is, in the in the, in the unit I was working in that particular scene, uh, it was meant to be shot in about... Uh, five days, so the whole week, basically. But it was also according to the weather because we were in Port Stewart uh, on the um, on the seashore. So the the, time, the, the weather, despite the fact it, it, was, um, it was August, it was also Northern Ireland where, you know, it, it happens, it rains a lot. Okay. But we were particularly lucky. So that's so Northern Ireland? Pretty, yeah, Northern Ireland, okay. Port Stewart. It was a two and a half hours far from Belfast by car. So when I arrived there, the, the, the weather conditions were awesome for like two or three days in a row. So I managed to shoot my, my scenes and my parts earlier than, uh, uh, than we was meant to be. They, they, they scheduled, basically. And uh, also the horse had a double. So the main stand were performed by a stuntman. And, um, but when it came to my uh, stabbing on the throat... I did it myself. So uh, it was actually an interesting moment because at the beginning they thought it was a stuntman doing that because uh, I was put like a black rubber mattress behind this. So I was not, I was standing on a, on a ladder rather than on a, on the horse. Yeah. And then uh, no pressure because I was uh, having all the costume that was uh, filled up, especially in the next side with like uh, fake blood, uh, little uh, bombs. It was basically, it has to be one shot. One shot has to be good. Wow, <laughs> first, you get one first, shot. First shot, first good. Yes, because otherwise it would have implied the costume be changed because it was all stained yep. and this kind of thing. So, you know, those kind of scenes or situations where you are on the set with a lot of people and they say, okay, no pressure, but you better be good the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well. And then I was, I was lucky. So I had a, a nice... Uh, teacher that he told me okay i had to do this it was very thorough in the explanation so then uh, he showed me the movement i had to do with my neck and he said if you do it right the day after you're gonna have neck pain and i had it for two days afterwards oh, wow. so it, it, it went very well i was very lucky well yes. that's i've seen the scene many times and that's impressive that's what i call and i don't know if anyone else calls it this but when you do it in one take i call it being a one take jake yeah yeah uh so that's really interesting, and I, I was going to ask you where you shot it, so Northern Ireland. Um, yes. That's, that's all great, and and you got lucky that it didn't rain that day too, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a three, four days of continuous sunny day, very nice. Yeah, everybody actually was impressed. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us. You know, it's, it's such a popular show, and, you know, for, for breakfast reasons too— Outside of the United States, we're in 19 countries now. The, the most popular country outside of the United States, Ireland and Great Britain, are the two most, uh, they get the most uh, breakfast downloads. So, oh, I see. So, okay. And then I yeah. just, somebody from the Netherlands just started listening last week. So, you know, we're all mm-hmm. around that area. Not, not Northern Ireland yet and not Wales, but everywhere else in the UK, <laughs> there is breakfast <laughs> happening. 
so uh, before we go too much further, you know, since we're on different continents, we were not able to share a meal as we usually do on the show. We did something a little bit different. You gave me a recipe for a flourless banana bread, and we both made it as part of a meal. So let's just talk about our breakfast meal. Yes. And obviously, we'll post pictures of this online uh, uh, on social media. Why did you pick this recipe? Well, you know, uh, I was thinking about breakfast time and because, uh, well, of course, you know, living now in the UK and having lived in other countries, I got my palate also used to have some savory food in the morning for breakfast. But if I go back to my roots, you know, as an Italian, the most popular thing we normally have is a cornetto and cappuccino, which is a croissant and cappuccino. Mm -hmm. which, uh, so if you speak to the majority of Italians, they probably would tell you that their perception of breakfast, if they crave for something, is something sweet. But on the other hand, you know, uh, I like to, to keep fit and healthy. So I thought like, okay, I have this, uh, first of all, I like bananas a lot. And uh, I had a parenthesis in my life when I lived in Jamaica and I had my first contact with the banana bread. So I have a friend that taught me how to make this one, and um, it is flourless, so there was a, it was, it's loaded with good proteins because it is also almond flowers. Banana, so nice carbs, uh, no sugars, there's maple, maple syrup instead. And uh, uh, yeah, the baking soda to, as a, to, to, to make it a little bit more bubbly and uh, yeah, to make it nicer instead of the yeast. So it's kind of uh, healthy, very tasty and uh, and very enjoyable because you can uh, slice it, you can uh, toast the slice themselves, you can add something on top, you can accompany them with some fruit, some uh, egg white omelette or other thing. Yeah. So I think it's quite versatile, you know what I mean? Now, also as a snack, also as a snack, yeah, not necessarily just for breakfast. Now yeah. when you made your meal uh, for this purpose, what, what did you make with it? Anything else? Well... For me, for me, I like to have like egg white omelette in the morning, so um, with two slices of banana bread and some fruits. I think it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you wanna, if you wanna top, if you wanna top up some um, uh, with some what is called uh, uh, peanut butter on top of the of the banana bread slice, but there's a, a lot. It's already loaded with a lot of almonds because yeah. uh, it's inside, so it's not really necessary. You know. That I'm, actually sounds really good for my for my leftovers because I've got plenty of. A banana yeah. bread left. I might throw some almond butter on there, which I usually have now instead of the yeah. peanut butter. Uh, yeah. I threw some raspberries in there, uh, and my wife mm -hmm. said you could have thrown a lot more raspberries in there. She, <laughs> it's it, it was a really nice <laughs> mix. It tasted really well with the bananas. Um, one thing I want to say is people might be asking. Some people are still making bread the old fashioned way, or they just buy bread at the store. How do you make it rise? And the answer is you put some baking soda in there and you mix that with some lemon yes. juice and that activates it and makes all the yes. bubbles that it's like yes. what happens with yes. the yeast. It's not exactly the same, but that's kind of the yeah. the idea behind it. Uh, and then I also yes. uh, scrambled a couple eggs with some red bell pepper and some mushrooms and I had a little yes. English breakfast tea with it. So it was uh, – Yeah, you see – yeah, I mean it's very versatile. I'm gonna eat it again probably for dinner tonight, maybe for <laughs> breakfast again tomorrow. Uh, it's very uh, versatile. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. thank you for sharing that recipe with me, and we'll obviously we'll share that with everyone with all the conversions too. You know, we got the metric system and the uh, the American system, and they're slightly different. So, well, they're not slightly different; they're they're way different. But yeah, you know, we'll put both on there so you guys can try it on your own and, and see how it was. I thought it was a delicious meal, and thank you for sharing that with me. Oh, pleasure! I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> um, now. In, 
in the UK, there's a show that's been on for over 20 years now, Holby City. Yes. Uh, it's yes. it's a lot. It's kind of like a Grey's Anatomy or ER in the United States. It's just a, a, a hospital show that just goes on and on forever. It's, and obviously must be good because it's, it's been on for 20 years. You did a couple of the later uh, seasons of Holby City, and it's still going now. Uh, where where do you guys shoot that? Was it in a real hospital? Uh, so it's shooting the studios called L Street Studios. It's a BBC big studios where they also do another TV show. It's called EastEnders, which is very popular. And it's in L Street, Bournemouth. So it is literally like uh, 35, 40 minutes by train far from the center of London. So, yeah, because I used to go there by train all the time. Yes. How do you feel about some of the medical language that they have you use, you know, when you're playing a doctor on a, on a hospital show? Well, that's a funny, a funny question because uh, I've been asked, I've been asked that several times. But you know, my my um, uh, former language, Italian, it comes from Latin, and uh, a lot of medical terms they come from Latin. So for me, it's kind. Of, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm quite familiar with the sound, so I can catch them quite easily. Problem is all the rest, <laughs> you know, because I, have, you know, when uh, especially when the character is introduced in the TV series, you have a lot, a lot of lines and uh, a lot of scenes. So for me, it was a great, great, uh, uh, say, chance to practice like English act acting in English. So I learned a lot in that show because uh, you know the pace is very fast, and of course, being the um, being the Italian joining a regular English cast, I didn't want you know to sound too much out of the choir, as we say in uh, in Italian. You know what I mean? No, what does that mean? I've so never, I, I haven't heard that saying. What does that mean? It means that uh, you spot immediately that there's someone that is singing in a different way. Oh, the one that know, doesn't fit. The one that doesn't fit in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that doesn't. So you know, I put a lot of effort in uh, like studying every single scene very thoroughly with my RP teacher because I wanted my accent to be the more British as I could. Of course, keeping my Itali Italian twang, uh, like something that was um, less, less. They call it here exotic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of exotic, I. I actually saw you on, I had seen the first two seasons of this show called The Job Lot, uh, which is also right. another, I watched it on a thing called BritBox, which allows me to watch like all the BBC shows on Amazon. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. And you, you appeared in the last episode of the entire series and it seemed like, oh man, he's going to be part of this series and then they didn't come back for the fourth season. You, you yes, How did you feel about that whole experience? Yeah. You were speaking, you spoke only Spanish on that show. Yes, it was a very funny because I also I always love uh, British sitcom because I think they are very, you know, sharp, very funny. And so uh, I love, of course, drama, dr drama roles, uh -huh. like period drama. But yeah, funny, funny roles like that. I really enjoy it. Unfortunately, they didn't go for another TV, for another season, but I had fun with the episode I shot there. Yes. Excellent. Well, I thought it was a really funny show, and I thought you did a great job. And I was, uh, you know, I'm disappointed there's not a season, but at least you got to do that work on that last season. And, hey, not too many people can say they were in the, the finale of a show, uh, the last, <laughs> the very last episode of a show that was on for several seasons. And, and it was very funny. I, too, I also love, uh, I've always kind of like those British comedies, all the way back to, like, you've got Rowan Atkinson as Mr. Bean, and you've got uh, Are You Being Served? Oh, yeah. And Faulty Towers, are you kidding me? Monty Python? So, yeah. Something about the British way of comedy is it's a little more uh, outlandish but rigid at the same time, you know, <laughs> which I think is a really fun combination. 
you have a yes. You have a very dramatic look, which is you know just another way of saying you're a very handsome man. You're a very handsome, handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> but you've also, like you said, done quite a bit of comedy. Do you prefer one over the other? No, I like both to be honest. But sometimes, you know, the the fact of being uh, like, uh, let's say, likable from the <laughs> aesthetical point of view doesn't help all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes there's a little bit of the of the cliche of me, like the um, the stigma. Let's say, that, oh, is is too good looking? It's not believable. Right. So I hear that sometimes, and uh, I like to, you know, to to crash to 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 smash that stigma. Showing that, I mean, I like to, I mean, I, I, I call myself the master of self-deprecation sometimes. Yeah. So I love that, you know what I mean? Excellent. <laughs> and I think that putting that in acting is, uh, is very nice and is very funny. Because at the end of the day, we want to enjoy, we want to have fun. So yes, like playing, you know, the cool, yeah, the hero is, but I like also the underdog. I like the comedy. I like the vulnerable stuff. So it's, it's interesting to explore, I think, having the chance to play a full range of, of characters. Right. All right, so it is now time for our very popular segment called Breakfast Quick Bites. Breakfast Quick Bites. Quick Bites. Quick Bites. Breakfast Quick Bites. Breakfast, the most important meal of the day. And this is where we ask questions on social media for the fans. Here's my question. You were on an episode of Game of Thrones. Who would have lasted longer on the Iron Throne? Peter, Littlefinger Baelish, or Lord Varys? Well, my opinion is Lord Varys. Why do you say that? Well, I think because uh, the way it was manipulative, but uh, at the same time, it was keeping the things cool. You know what I mean? Trying yeah. to keep the things cool. I think it, it would have had a longer... Because also, yeah, also little thing that was uh, manipulative, but not as the same way of um, Lord Varys. Yes, I, I think... The, yeah, I think I had the feeling that he would have lasted longer. I yes. tend to agree with you. Littlefinger's very good at being manipulating too, but he's so, I mean, he gets caught being manipulating all the time. I feel like mm. he's going to be king for like two days and just get murdered by somebody. <laughs> Whereas Varys yes. is a little more calm, like you said, and I yeah. think he might hold on. Yeah, it was uh, it was keeping it longer for sure. Yeah, it was uh, hiding uh, like a snake a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit better, yeah. I think. Yes. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yes. Okay, breakfast quick bite number two. You are fluent in three of the languages that people find to be very sexy romantic languages. So between Italian, French, and Spanish, which one do you believe is the most romantic? Okay, so uh, I think for the sound, we have to say Italian might be something that people consider a little bit more romantic, but it is a it is also a bit clichetized. I like Spanish a lot because I think they they dare to go further with the meaning of the words. You know what I mean? We Italians have a beautiful sound, but we stop at a certain point. Like, I'll give you this example. If you have to say um, you have a pretty face, uh, in Italian we say, I un bel viso, which is, uh, okay, it might sound nice, but in Spanish, they say, Tienes una cara que me encanta. Yeah. And uh, if I transport the same Spanish translation kind, word by word in Italian, it makes every single word a little bit more magical. So that's why I think uh, Spanish might be a little bit more romantically entertaining. Let's say that. <laughs> Excellent. I accept that answer. I think they're all, you know, 
I think they're all great in their own way. Uh, but yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, you, look, you speak all of them, so I think you would know the best. <laughs> I like France as well. I, I repeat, I repeat. But from uh, you know, being a Latino man, I have to say, yeah, probably I, I would say Spanish and Italian are hand to hand with that. Yes, excellent, Christian. In the future, there will be a movie mm. called The Christian Viet Story. Who will play you in that movie? Ah, that's a nice, nice question. Okay, so. <laughs> If we, uh, I would, I would love actually having a young Jerry Lewis playing uh, the first part of my life. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, a little bit of uh, Marlon Brando and uh, Humphrey Bogart maybe in between, and then uh, the late the, the the last part to Jeff Bridges. Wow, you brought out all the legends. You know, that's great. <laughs> yeah, four yeah. great actors. A little bit. Yeah, excellent. I accept yeah, those that, answers. That would those be are, interesting. Those are all. <laughs> I can see them all playing <laughs> Christian Veet. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, this has been so much fun. Uh, if you would like to get more Brentfast content, such as bonus episodes, show promos, TV and film appearances, and other public events, such as pics of and videos of Christian and I making our Brentfast flourless banana bread, there are several places you can go. You can go to the Brentfast page on Instagram at Brentfast Podcast. You can go to my personal Instagram and Twitter accounts at Scoops Pope. On Facebook, you can go to the Brentfast official page as well as the Brent Pope actor page. And the show itself is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and through the show website, brentfast.com. Thanks for your support. The show is growing constantly. We're now all over the United States as well as 19 countries on five different continents. So if you enjoy the show, please give us reviews, give us likes, share it around. Tell all your friends. It's so appreciated. Christian Veet, what is next for you? So I'm attached to a few projects at the moment, but, you know, with the whole situation, it is currently undergoing all, all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big question. I said, who knows? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's say uh, I'm always very positive, And I think that we will get at the at some point, some light, we will get some light at the end of the tunnel. So let's hope uh, to get out of this. Uh, virus altogether very soon. Absolutely. And uh, so hopefully I, uh, I I might have a project happening uh, in the Middle East, another one in France. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. There's a, there's a few things going on. Excellent. So, yeah. Well, at the moment, what, 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 is, what is certain for me is that the first team being released from the BBC and another movie feature film by director Cole Spector, which, uh, whose name is going to be Marriage Material, that is probably uh, going to be in the in the movie theaters and later this year excellent yes. and uh we look forward to that and also on social media you can find christian at on instagram at at christian.vit on twitter at chr underscore vit and on facebook under christian Veet. christian it has been so nice chatting with you from across the pond next time i'm in london or, or next time you're in los angeles or next time i'm in london we definitely need to grab some in-person breakfast Absolutely. And sharing some Syrah together. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, <laughs> and with that, folks, we are at the end of another stupendous episode of Brentfast with Brent Pope. Everybody stay safe. See ya. Bye.